I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Yay. Hello, Molly. Hi. We haven't recorded in such a long time. It's only been like a two weeks. It feels it like feel so like much longer. Yeah. And happy birthday. It's your birthday week. Yes, yes. By the time this comes out, I will have aged another year. And uh, been to Chili's multiple times, <laughs> I assume. I, I have to say, I love birthday week on our Facebook page because I learned so much about our redhead community. <laughs> like, you all are doing so many interesting things. You're so sweet to your friends. You're so sweet to each other. Like, I am bowled over by the coolness of all the redheads. So thanks so much for playing. And I hope those of you who won prizes liked your prizes. Yeah, I just f- have found it so like life affirming. This week has been yeah. crazy for me. And it's just been so great to have all of this like wholesome content oh, so wholesome. to come to yeah. uh, on the daily. So thanks to everybody for participating. Even though it is not my birthday, I am still reaping the benefits. You sure are. And you can find us on facebook.com slash red all over. You can find Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. You can find Molly on Twitter at Serious Molly. Yay. I think that's everything. Oh, uh, the other thing that we do, do you want to do shout outs now or later? Yeah, shout okay. out. The other thing that we do is we have a Venmo. That's Venmo.com slash red all over. And that's where you can just send donations if you feel like it this is a free podcast uh with lots of giggling and uh if you want to support that uh you can go there people who have given to us are uh the following give me a shout out denise rob you look awesome today and i like your smile veronica dornan ding dong it's the dornan i love you leslie bosnack wow i think more like bosnack you're looking amazing. Jennifer Trice, I love you not once, not twice, but thrice, Jennifer. Thanks for being a friend. Elizabeth, St- oh, sorry, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Stameshkin. I think it's Stameshkin. Elizabeth Stameshkin, you know what? Whichever way you say it, I think that you did a fantastic job today. Don't worry so much. I think you're awesome. Lori Lee Badash. Oh, the Badash. I love you, Lori Lee. You're doing amazing. Annie Ho, hey, ho, Annie in the house, Annie, Annie in the house, thank you. Catherine Huther, oh, Huther ever made you into a person, Catherine? They did a bang-up job. You're excellent. Jolie Short, I'll tell you what's not short, the list of reasons why I like Jolie, it's a long one, and chief among them is you support the art that you like. Thanks, Jolie. Catherine Crum, mm. More like Catherine Crumb Cake, because I want you to come to my birthday party. It's at uh, 2 o'clock at Zeitgeist, so you can make it. I love you. Kelly Hickman. Oh, Kelly. Is it Kelly? It is. You said your name. I just want to say, I think you're awesome. And you. I'm sending you a big, 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 big hug. Last but not least, Regina McCormick. Oh, you know what? Good thing your last name is McCormick, because you are the spice of my life, Regina. <laughs> love you. Uh <laughs> And then quick shout out, the other thing that we do is just in case you don't have Venmo where you come from, because we have a lot of international listeners. Hi. Uh, Bonjour. Yes. Hello. Uh, You can talk. Yeah. Those are where they come from. (laughs) (laughs) You can donate to a cause that you're passionate about and do it in our name. So uh, we have one such donation from Sheena Stemler, who donated to Women's Health Clinic in Manitoba. Thank you so much, Sheena. 
Thanks for supporting the ladies of Manitoba. We think you're excellent. And also shout out to redhead Joe Walters, who uh, gave to the Young Women's Trust in the UK. So, Joe, thank you so much. That was so nice of you. And thanks, everybody else, for being a great fan. Either way. So many shout outs. So little time. Yes. Yeah, you're also great. I'm just really feeling the love for the redheads today. I love our community so, so much. And you are all really kind and fun and talented. So thanks. Yeah. Keep it up. You're great. Woo. So I wanted to talk briefly about the previous episode. Yes. Oh, by the way, we know it's Menarchy. Oh, yeah. We um, got the 47 memos y'all sent. And you know what? Don't feel bad about giving feedback. We get it. We're just teasing you. No, uh, but I, as I was editing it, I like texted Molly. I was like, oh, we're going to get a lot a lot of play on this we yeah. sound like jackasses uh, and you know what here's the thing sometimes <laughs> we're jackasses uh you know that by now so just uh sorry about that if you don't know that by now you will never ever ever say monarchy <laughs> monarchy <laughs> anyway okay i want to talk about heroic yes okay so, like, we were not the only people who were like, hey, the optics of this, along with the optics of, oh, I don't know, the previous African-American woman who helped June out getting killed. Actress Sapiwe Moyo from Orange is the New Black, she shouted it out. I was like, thank you. And I just keep thinking about this because I saw Emos's post about that episode yeah. was a bit much do you want to quickly yeah so just like basically she was just talking about like oh like it was a really special episode for her and it was like really hard and it was a great example of how you know sometimes to get something good done you need a little crazy and i'm like not that kind of crazy like that's not what happened that's not the story that was told i know and you know again shout out to ashley thorpe who played Natalie. I just, so I'm thinking about all of this, like with this tone deaf Instagram post Mm -hmm. and it's just like, okay, why is there no oversight at Hulu (laughs) on this? Like these are positions that exist. Like how do they not have like an inclusion and diversity department at Hulu? And it's like, again, if you're doing inclusion and diversity, it's not about numbers. It's not about hitting these quotas. <laughs> like point. you do like you want to be employing more people of color, which we're seeing, and that is great. However, we don't exist in a zero sum game where race is concerned. And however noble the intentions were behind making Gilead quote unquote colorblind to employ more people of color, like you have to see that all the way through. Right. And, you know, it's this, you know, television is very glamorous in that everybody sees the end product, but the internal right. machinations are exactly the same. Yeah. Like there's probably people in that writer's room who are bringing this up, but they just aren't getting the traction just because yeah. I, I would hope that's the case in the conversations that we've had with them. They all seem like the writers. They're you. into that. Yeah, yeah totally. I and it's just like, okay, so who, who are we worried about alienating here? <laughs> By not addressing race in even a perfunctory way, because they want to trade on the resistance and the hashtag resistance, mm-hmm. but they only want to engage with the part that's for white women. Truly. And I, I do think, like, if I'm going to give them, like, the most benefit of the doubt, I think that You're they... You're such a nice person. <laughs> um, I think it's that they think that 
it's enough just for people of color to be there and that they've done that work. And I I understand that feeling. And you know what? It's it's like a lot of things with inclusion. It's like, yes, happy to, that these actors got jobs, happy that people can look and see people who look like them on TV. That's not enough anymore. Like, no. we, it's not radical because to do that Because the message anymore. that you're now sending is like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll hire you. Yeah. But you can't count on this as a steady source of income. Are you trying to support your totally. family by being an actress? Well, guess what? You're not going to be a series regular. And I mean, look at, look, I mean, all the other handmaids that were introduced in season one who are right. still around, I think there's one who's not white. So, you know, the woman who plays Alma, like she's been like set on rent. You know, she probably got a new car. Whereas the women who have played these sort of sacrificial Gileadian lambs, yeah. like they're out hustling, trying to get their next gig now. Totally. And the thing too is like, I think they even kind of goofed by... You know, saying on the one hand, they they're trying to say that Gilead race doesn't matter. But then they threw in that line two episodes ago about, oh, the they don't want a handmaid of color. And yeah. it's like, OK, you don't get to do both. No. And it's like there are again, there's so many little ways they could have just seeded it yeah. through June's relationship with her husband yeah. and her best friend yeah. and her daughter. To be honest, this started for me in a big, big way when they had Luke's wife be the stereotypical like angry black Yeah, absolutely. Woman. And God. Back I mean, we were angry about that then. One. That was in season two, I oh, think. Oh, jeez. I've lived so many years <laughs> was I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, but it's worth... You, you are absolutely right. Yeah. So, yes. We are aware of that. We are watching that. Do better. <laughs> yeah, like, again, I would really lay the blame for this at Warren Littlefield and Bruce Miller's feet. Fair. Because they are the ones who are supposed to be shepherding this show. Yeah. And some of the writers are executive producers. Yeah. I don't know how involved they are with casting. Yeah. But it can't, like, it's impossible that this feedback hasn't gotten to them at some point. Like, yeah. It's not like this podcast where it's just you and me <laughs> reading the reviews and I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to look at them because, you know, it's not worth it. Right. But it's like there are layers of corporate bureaucracy totally. in place to take that feedback, yep. package it in a positive and fun way, <laughs> you know, set it to a Bruce Springsteen yeah. song. God forbid. And, you know, it just it really, really chaps my ass totally. and. Yeah, you know, we, we're 10 episodes into this season and, you know, Warren Littlefield's out here like dropping things like, oh, like, are the commanders gay? No, man, they're not. Like homoeroticism, I'm very pro that. But like, if you're out here... <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Can yeah, no, if you're <laughs> out... Say it. Yeah, I'm look, so uh, excited to make that joke. <laughs> but like, if you're trying to bait people with these like progressive, you know, carrots... Like, what's the fucking stick, bro? Mm. Like, I'm just so over it. Well and said. he's just so smug and self-satisfied. Anyway, drives me nuts. Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, that, all of that <laughs> being said, season three, episode 10, witness this. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. There's a bunch of shit where I was like, Damn. I was not happy about overall. I'm like, okay, well, you're asking me once again to be on board with June's bullshit. Yeah. For the record, not on board with her bullshit. On board with this episode. Yeah. I got to say, for, for the people who are angry that we don't like this show, this will be a fun episode for you because I'm on board with this episode. I feel like I can gauge my engagement in 
uh, Handmaid's Tale by whether or not I have Handmaid's Tale nightmares. And I got nightmares after <laughs> this one, baby. So <laughs> I'm so ready funny. to talk about this. So let's talk about it. The The name is Witness. What Harrison you- Ford is nowhere to be found. Oh, there's such a no, tragedy. Well, there's no Amish people. I mean, As, I mean, <laughs> Gilead is like kissing cousins with the Mennonites. But <laughs> Oh, be careful. You're going to get Mennonite backlash like you got Baptist backlash. Uh, the first note that I wrote is based on the previously on i think that's where i saw that yeah there I, there was is based on the previously on and i wrote oh snap treason and coconuts what's gonna happen no i know i was like is she gonna defect i was hoping that i but, was hoping that uh, too and that's not what happens no. but so let's think about as we're discussing this what witness means and who's bearing witness to what i think i've got a good answer for this uh so but it comes later so just keep <clears> that in mind all right, so the first mer- music cue, and let me tell you something, BB girl. I think it's because I had a little extra time this week to do this. I went all in on I'm these really musical excited references. because I wrote Sorcerer's Apprentice question mark. No, 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 no. That no. was all I did. And by the way, this is not the one that's going to knock your socks off. The one later in the episode is really going to do it. But so as far as Shazam and I could tell... <laughs> Oh, is that Genie, right? Yeah. Played by Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, great. Yes. This is Symphony Number no. 9 in D, which I believe is Mozart. And it's also featured in Dark and Alternative Fave, A Clockwork Orange. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. Another movie, another piece of art where women get the short if end of the stick. Featured in A Clockwork Orange, it might be Ludwig van Beethoven. Oh, yeah. What I say, Mozart? Yeah. I don't know. Same diff. <laughs> Oh, it is. I even wrote. Now the Mozart fans are going to come for you. <laughs> Whatever. Fucking come at me, Mozart fans. I can take all of you dorks. Um, I did write. That's Beethoven. what Salieri said. And look what happened to him. <laughs> I do not know. Oh, that's unfortunate. So the thing that's supposed to be famous about this sort of symphony is when Mozart is. Pardon me. Beethoven. Who the who gives a fuck? When I don't the man. Who wrote when this? the music guy, the when, music man, yeah, the music man. He's like, <laughs> that's symphony D, and that goes for nine, and that stands for symphony. <laughs> um, so when this dude was, uh, I don't know, watching this get played, whatever, uh, he was quote jumping around like a madman. So let's think about sort of the art and madness for the reason that this song is used. I don't know. I promise you, the other one is much better than that one. This one was like, so that's kind of interesting. That's what music is playing. Oh, it does make sense, though, because it's like madness is kind of how June enters this episode. Yeah, that's slightly cracked. So that makes total sense to me. Yeah. My other note for the very top of this was, oh, great. June's out again. Yay. (laughs) This, which is the thing that's not said is like, oh, boy, Natalie died. Oh, yeah. I thought that was very clear in the previous episode. I mean, yeah, but she made that whole thing about like going back to the hospital to watch her slowly die, and I kind of thought they would say something about it. But I thought she died at the end of the episode. No, because the episode ends with June sitting next to Natalie and be like, "I'm gonna get him out." Oh God. Okay. And anyway, even somebody said somebody uh, emailed us about this, and they said that you can see the like heart monitor reacts differently when she says that. Who knows? I'm rolling my eyes really Anywho. hard, but okay. So anyway, so she's out. She comes back to J-Law's house. She's limping. And uh-oh, things are way different at J-Law's house. The yeah, Basquiat all, is gone. All the, the books, books are, are gone. gone. 
and Aunt Lydia walks in and honestly I was like am I am I on glue because she's like is it this lovely and I was like bitch you have been there a bunch of times this is a troubled house I just like I didn't realize why she was being like this is new oh because you didn't realize that they had changed yeah yeah okay notably absent is all of the art all of the books yikes uh and then we get a little creepy hint so they go oh yeah this is up to commander waterford's new dc standards Uh uh-oh cool spaghettios (laughs) nothing good is gonna come of this no and june's like you know aunt lydia's like go rest and june's like i don't want to rest i want to fight i'm like self-care is important blessed be the fuck (laughs) (laughs) lord oh god and they do acknowledge that she missed a ceremony. That, like, doesn't make it okay for me. Again, like, in this world building, we're like, baby, 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 baby. Oh. Whoops, we missed one. Like, yeah. okay. All right, Aunt Lydia. That makes sense. So, in oh, the, in the, I loved this. This I love this so much. June walks in the kitchen, oh. and there is just, like, hella baskets of scones. And Beth just goes, scones me? No. And I'm like, <gasps> a sphincter says what? <laughs> I was I love this and they have like yeah. dessert based semaphore. <laughs> so Beth put out the word to the Martha network and was like, Hey, remember this crazy ass bitch? Um she's making noise again. Send me some scones. Oh look, here we have oatmeal cookies. What do oatmeal cookies mean? They mean ooh girl. <laughs> I love an oatmeal cookie. <laughs> well, they mean ooh girl. The scones mean no. Beth has been trying to get medicine for mrs lawrence so scones mean sorry no medicine that's a bummer yeah because uh, we hear mrs lawrence in the background and somebody says she throws things beth says that beth says that it must be yeah. it's the only other person yeah so that's um uh-oh once again yeah so the you theme know. of this episode is uh-oh spaghettios and yeah. they really happen a lot and also say yes to the scone yeah <laughs> so mrs lawrence's mental health is deteriorating Yikes. and it's not great june is trying to work up new schemes. this is where she asks her like something to the effect of like hey do you know how we could get a bunch of kids out of gilead and she's like what and june goes i don't know you got like a huge trench coat i could borrow <laughs> She doesn't say that. She, she's trying yeah, to she's ask gonna if the She's going to leave Gilead as Commander Vincent Adult Man. Hello. <laughs> Not a handmaid, just a very tall man with a child's hand coming out of my stomach. I would also like to see the, the new Terrence and Philip movie. <laughs> So that's a great plan. I don't know why they didn't go with that version of it. Beth shows her oatmeal cookie and is like, girl, you can't. Like, no, she's how like, the hell could she we do that? She says you're going to get yourself killed. Yeah. And we're like, you know, they keep saying that and not <laughs> delivering. Uh, I call bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a, a non-starter there. Then we kind of venture a little further into the house and we hear Eleanor, who we've been interchangeably calling Bertha Rochester, <laughs> yelling. And sometimes Mrs. Lawrence. She yeah, has three names. It's really- like a Russian novel in here. I really feel for all the redheads that are like, anytime I talk about this, I have to like mentally retranslate it back to their real names. Because <laughs> all I want to do is use the dumb names you came up with. Uh, think how hard it is for us to watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> or like, why do they keep calling her <laughs> Eleanor? Eleanor is yelling at Whitford. Yeah, she is, I guess, to illustrate that she's just really having a bad mental health day. Whitford goes down into his study and, oh, look clever that's where they're hiding the books i don't know 
why. I mean, granted, the last time they came to search the house, they didn't even go in the basement. So, so weird. Honestly, this plan is probably going to work. But also, it's not as if he was making a secret of the fact that he had books. Right. And it's so, not as if men aren't allowed to read. Men are allowed to read. I'm sure most of his books aren't regulation. Well, I don't know. He has that whole shelf of his books that are like the formation of Gilead. Yeah, but he also has like Charles Darwin. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Look, I think we can rest assured if he has a Basquiat, <laughs> he also has a bunch of books. Oh, yeah. You know, like the nasty. joy of sex. Ooh. Our bodies, ourselves. Every man that age has a copy of the joy of sex somewhere. <laughs> just hidden. They're like, this is all I'm ever going to need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, geez, Louise. So this is where Emos starts trying to get Whitford to send Eleanor to Canada. And I can't remember what he said. All I wrote was Whitford, dumb cute. So he must have asked a dumb question and I can't remember what it is. Oh, it was. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. This is real dumb. He was like, she's like, she's she's having a hard time. She's like really suffering. He goes, what do you know about suffering? And it's like, dad. Yeah, I'm fucking steeped in suffering to right be fair, now she does fight she gets a lot of great zingers in this episode yeah. this is the first of many where she says everything yeah Dude. and i was like yeah i mean apart from actual death yeah you've kind of gone through most of it truly you know she keeps like trying to pitch people on these schemes and i'm like you know what's really great for schemes june are <laughs> naps Take yeah. a fucking Gotta nap. Gotta take a nap. Let because... that be a lesson, redheads. Always take a nap before you start scheming. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so important <laughs> to clear your mind and like crank down the residual crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although she really, like, she's pretty nuts this whole episode. Yeah. Like, I don't think she's done by the end. If anything, no. like, other people's affirmation is just going to keep this going. I guarantee you. I'm almost willing to put money on it. I bet you anything, either this season or the series as a whole, ends with a dumbass close-up in June's eyeball, where it's like, uh-oh, did she die or not? Is she crazy or sane? Oh, no. And then it's just going to be like, somebody! <laughs> like, or whatever the end, the end music is going to be. I guarantee you that's how something I'm so ends. angry. Yeah. I'm anyway. so upset. But I think you're right that she has like... How about... How about... <laughs> Ground control to make it That would actually be cool. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. So the next scene, they really like, they listened to our podcast and they took only one note from it and it was, Molly likes the grocery store. Let's give her a bunch of that. I think what actually happened is maybe they're like, shit, uh, something bad happened. All these other sound stages was flooded. Oh, no, we built so many different parts of Gilead. Sorry, you got to keep going back to the fridge. My theory is that it's like the crane they bought for all those aerial shots. <laughs> yeah, really got We're like, this is this is what, you know, the corporate oversight is doing instead of being like, hey, maybe quit killing black women. Um, Save money. Use they're, that grocery no, store. No, they're like, listen, we built this whole grocery store. You've used it like twice. Come on, get in get there. Get in there. <laughs> Make more stuff happen in it. So I really like, and I, I had made a resolution to pay attention to it last episode because we don't have uh, subtitles because we watch these ahead of time. So I'm really trying to crane my ear to hear things. So I was trying to hear what like the piped in voice says mm-hmm. in the grocery store. And the only thing I heard was handmaids must remain with walking partner at all times, which lol, <laughs> June never does that. Uh, well, and that's her whole monologue coming in. She's like, oh, another walking partner dead. 
Maybe yeah. I'm cursed. Yeah, and I'm she, like, uh Is she just freeballing it too? I didn't yeah, see she it. is. She's just walking by herself. <laughs> they did beef up her security. Like I think people, like security people, like walked in with her. Kind of, but she. But still- yeah, but then they were like, "All right, we'll let you off your leash. Come back when you're done." Well, it's so dumb that they keep letting people go to the to the conspiring fridge. Yeah, like several things have been conspired there. Like have a dude there. Also, what is the purple Sobe? In this organic so place. Glad you asked. The purple soapy is <laughs> dragonberry. Uh, yeah, I also uh, found that odd. But I think something that is neat that I didn't notice about loaves and fishes until this time is like how sparse the frozen section is, which I assume is like this. <laughs> the soapy but also the meat uh is just, sometimes you mean just refrigeration period yeah uh-huh mm-hmm. and it's it's really interesting to kind of like see the scarcity play out that way yeah that was kind of cool but that's yeah. why they have tokens so alma is the voice of us when she goes you're really conspicuous yeah like you're yeah. bad at this tell Go your face a nap i do also like the line at the soapy fridge where she goes i'm not a terrorist not yet i'm like mm, i'm pretty sure you are like if you didn't have viable ovaries and you weren't some part of this gambit to get hickle back Mm. which we've kind of lost the thread of it comes back in this episode i'm like hey remember when that was like such a big deal yeah and everybody was like so concerned but now june's not even concerned yeah what do you think are the odds do you think hickle gets back in gilead (sighs) i don't even care man (laughs) like i hope she stays in canada yeah me too I can't see, I mean, we can talk about it later, but it's like, I don't see treason and like, they'd have to give treason and coconut something pretty big because she's leverage for Canada too. So I think that the thing they might try to do is it looks like Whitford is going to help someone escape. But what he actually does is the Waterford's tournament to Canada and Canada mm. steals him because he's like the Oppenheimer of, yeah. of this. So it makes sense that Whitford would be like the big bargaining chip. Uh, that's a good transition though. The next scene is, uh Oh, they've got to go for an inspection and that's outside. And Ooh girl, what do you think we see when that crane shot goes up? What did we see? We see that same eye shape we've been seeing all season. I drew it in my notebook. Wow. It's like the this same. This is very close encounters of the third kind. Yes. <laughs> She's actually making a sculpture of an eye out of mashed potatoes. She was yeah. like, Kelly, make me some mashed potatoes. I was like, why? She was like, it's my birthday week. Truly. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but I keep saying this. I'm not crazy every shot that they do aerial has this eye shape where it's like an arc of things Mm -hmm. and then a pupil and so this is no different because the amphitheater is the arc of all the handmaids and then there's somebody in the middle that's a pupil i think is the ant i think it's pretty cool yeah i just i found the early part of this and part of why i had trouble with the previous episode is like i really don't like watching other people go through mental health crises i would watch a murder I would just watch people getting beheaded all yeah. day. Wow. But okay. like, this is so much harder for me to watch. Yeah. And I don't remember. I think it's both June and Mrs. Lawrence, but like both of them, I was like, I cannot I understand. cope yeah. with this. It was horrible for me. Yeah. It, it's a hard thing to watch for sure. Wow. Is this show that's very blatantly torture porn <laughs> difficult to watch? <laughs> Story at 11. <laughs> so they're in the amphitheater and the next note I wrote is, oh, it's fucking Fred. 
So Fred comes down. Uh, his beard has grown to yeah. show the passage of time. He needs to trim that beard because he looks busted AF. <laughs> Fucking Fred in this episode. Fred in... Oh, my uh, God. I mean, he's just... Look, Fred gonna Fred. Fred gonna Fred. He's just gonna do that. <laughs> but, like, so they're there with Christopher Maloney... To like inspect all of oh, the handmaids. Oh, he's Christopher Maloney now. What have I been calling him? I think him? you've been calling him Chris Maloney. Look, uh, I really <laughs> respect him and I've thought about it and I made some changes. Okay. So he is there and he is like going around and inspecting. And I was annoyed with Fred for talking to June. But then I was like, oh, they're like, they're going and talking to all the different ones. Because I was like, why are you, why are you making him talk to her? Like, yeah. this is dumb. But like, he also is just like, oh, eh. So do you still like me? Ugh. And, you know, disgusting. June just has to like stand there and take it. Yeah, she's brings Grinch Offred out a couple of times this episode. Yeah. And that was really one of them. Commander Winslow is kind of kicking the tires of the handmaids a little bit. Fred, I wrote the, the note I wrote is Fred, stop thinking with your sh- chivalry dick. Damn. Like <laughs> that's Fred's whole thing is like he wants to be seen as like this uber bay oh yeah by and this like very chivalrous very old-timey like he's a savior of women in his mind Mm -hmm. and that's why he keeps liking june is because like she's the ultimate like if he could save her and save her he doesn't mean get her out of gilligan he means like save her with his dick like that's disgusting i hate it so much i would love to get saved with a dick anyway yeah i'd be down i'd be down at this point Oh, by the way, I think I'm finally giving up on Outlander, but only because I f- finally saw the sex scene in season one. And oh, I, yeah. I know it can't get better. I mean, yeah. I mean, I quit watching the first time shortly after that. I think I'm... Would it be depraved if I... Cause, so what I did this afternoon with Outlander is I wikipedia all the books oh, and yeah. I read all the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm really like hopping off after that point. Would it be weird if I just went in YouTube and was like, hottest parts of Outland? No, man. I'm sure there's a supercut. Okay. That's all I'm going to do. Like, anyway. To me, that's just being efficient. Okay. I'm going like, to do that. I just like having something real boring on yeah. that I can occasionally tweet about. <laughs> and then occasionally. sometimes. Yeah. Look, that's <laughs> occasionally for me. And then, you know, look. You're underestimating how much of this show I've been watching. <laughs> uh, anyway, Redheads, if you got a hot Outlander part, send it to me because that's all I want to watch. Okay, back to The Handmaid's Tale and horrifying stuff. Maloney says something Ooh, about like, yeah. oh, yeah, I want to see if the Boston girls like live up to their reputation. And I'm like, what reputation is that? Yikes. Being fucking troublemakers who blow shit up and run over Truly. guardians? I mean, maybe that is what they mean. But he does ask why they haven't rolled out the veils yes. and the rings and... And this is nuts. I believe it's Fred who's like, oh, we're rolling that out gradually. So, and I'm like, where? In Brookline? Like, <laughs> I don't know where, where that it's is. It's literally the only other location so, from Boston I've internalized. He says the vow is voluntary. Now, I don't know quite what that means. I think he means this vow of silence and ringing. But that seems real weird. But I can only imagine if Winslow is positioning it as quote unquote voluntary it must mean like yo we'll either kill you or ring you i think it's more on a house by house basis yeah that too but i don't believe anybody unless again no, no, no. i mean it's voluntary for the commanders and their wives kind of but he says also there's nothing like the devotion of a veiled and vowed handmaid 
So that to me seems like that's your way of saying like, all right, I'm all in, I guess. And you're right. That can be a house decision or a handmaid's decision. Maybe it's the decision of that one weird handmaid who's like super into like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I brought my own. Like, okay, Denise, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Just ring my face up. I don't care if I have a sinus infection. I got to eat through a straw. I'm fucking ready. Sure, Denise, nobody suggested that. It's not even all Gilead yet. I don't care. Wow, we introduced a new character way no, late in the she, game. She's, I mean, she, she was Linda before. Oh, she was? Yeah. I think Denise is funnier. Uh, <laughs> so Linda or Denise, uh, the hand, you heard it here first, the handmaid that's having a great time. Um, but not in the same way that Shannon is. We are silly. Okay. Uh, we need a chart. Where, so did you catch the stuff that he said about J-Law? I went back. They were like golf three, I got the golf buddies and then he said something, something, something. It was quite an experience. Yeah, and I don't know what the middle part was. I don't remember and either. I went back like three times. So if you know what it was, because you have subtitles, uh, let us know. Well, he says they were buddies, and this kind of makes what happens next a little very awkward. He's asking June specifically about him, and she's like, I don't know. And she says he's respectful, and Maloney is like, respectful. Uh huh. That's not how we do. No, it that in is here. not how Gilead rolls. And Fred has a real like. I thought she was my girlfriend. Look yeah. on his face. I was like, I thought. I I treated you with respect. So we this- played Scrabble. That- Scrabble! I think this is the first instance this episode where Fred's like, oh, show him. Yeah. And then the next scene is uh, Chez Panisse, which is the, <laughs> the Lawrence's <laughs> kitchen. So we're getting inklings that Gilead is is trying little by little to be stricter. Beth says that Mr. Lawrence actually goes to meetings now, where before yeah. he made them come to him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably a tactic on his part to make sure they don't find his caked in gold mine wow. of contraband. So smart. Yeah. Or even... Eleanor. Oh, you mean so they don't see Eleanor. Okay, got yes. it. Because we do, and I, we kind of let this pass without commenting. We have talked a lot about, like, what is the state of mental health mm. in Gilead? Because we know that Nick had recommended that June go to a psychiatrist or a, probably just a therapist yeah. in season one because it sounds like all psychiatric meds are verboten, which would make sense because a lot of them are contraindicated for pregnancy. Right. Um, although even for her, like, it's not like she's going to be pregnant, but... Right. I guess they just think that you should be able to pray the bipolar away. Yeah. And um, that ain't how bipolar works. Nope. So we know, you know, it has just, you know, whatever back channels they've been going through to get, I don't know, maybe Latuda. <laughs> Uh, maybe some lithium. This is the second time you've mentioned Latuda. Like, are you in Big Latuda's pocket? God, I wish. <laughs> they are making bank. <laughs> anyway, they can't get her meds anymore. I mean, I have to say, based on this episode, Manic Eleanor is a fun time. Like, she's probably not having fun, but man, she is enjoyable. Yeah, she's really interesting. June is in the office, and she's kind of futzing around looking she's- for the files. I don't you're doing because so she's trying to find the files for the children mm-hmm. that have been taken away and she told alma about this plan and mm-hmm. alma was like you're fucking crazy yeah please stop talking to literally everybody right and june's like no i can't my scheme and so she's just like rattling the locked cabinets and going through his desk i'm like june like if he took the time to lock the cabinets he's probably not going to leave the key where your ass can find them. Yeah. Now, 
that said, yeah. <laughs> where the files actually are yeah. makes me kind of reconsider that sentence. Yeah, you know, they're real fast and loose with security at the Whitford house. So this is kind of interesting. June sees the scissors and kind of takes them for violence. I think she thought she could pick the locks with the scissors. Oh, okay. Because we get a great shot that's serving like major us realness. <laughs> Uh, which Emos you know, is also in because she has the back, the shot of the back, and it's just a red background and then open scissors. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, bing, bing, bing. But what is interesting, too, about this is so Eleanor kind of bursts in and she's looking for books. Now, one of the art books she's looking for is a Gugan. And do you know who this person is? Yes. It's that guy. Sure is. Yep. You nailed it. <laughs> uh, so this is French painter. And then, oh. Oh, guess what? I just found out while you were talking. What? Gugan is the person that Vincent Van Gogh was fighting with that led him to cut off his ear and send it. (laughs) So to me, I hope that is a joke reference to like, LOL, people get dismembered in Gilead kind of a lot. And she has scissors literally behind her back. That's kind of a funny, interesting thing. I like that we're at the point in the plot where you can't be shifty anymore. You kind of just have to be bald about. Yeah, we've only got this is, you know, we got three after this. That's it. She just says to her, she's like, uh, yeah, I was. I was looking for the dossiers on people. And, or no, she's, I'm looking for the dossiers on children, the children of handmaids in Gilead. And Eleanor, like, doesn't even skip a beat. She's like, oh, yeah, those are in the Red Center dossiers. And I'm thinking they're at the Red Center. She's like, yeah. uh, Joseph keeps them in the basement. Not even in a file cabinet. Not even in, like, a humid, like a humidity-controlled <laughs> spot. And, like, is nothing in Gilead digitized? Fairly labeled. We saw the commander with the laptop in the first season. And it's Come just, on. like, I'm like, is are these the only copies? No, blessed like, be the hard copies. They love that shit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they, uh, yeah, they got to go down to the basement. And that's where... Haha, ha, there's extra paintings and stuff. That's oh, yeah. where they're keeping all the rest of their stuff that they couldn't cram into the SETI, I guess. Gosh, I guess it's really hard to get a storage unit in Gilead. <laughs> no. I do like the <laughs> the kind of throwaway line where Bertha goes, they say you can have as many maids as you as you want, but they're kind of not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's dirty. But that's kind of interesting, too, is like maybe that's part of how you sell Gilead to rich people. Is like, A, you can have sex with somebody other than your wife. B, women aren't going to be around to compete with you anymore. C, have as many maids as you want. And maids is obviously like a wink maids because nobody's getting paid, I don't think. No, I think she... I don't know if she says Martha specifically, but she's talking about Beth and Sienna. I mean, but they've also probably been given explicit instructions by, you know, old sir. Dad. Not to go down in the base. Don't touch my stuff. (laughs) He literally says that later. Oh, he does. It's so dumb. Uh, I just don't like people touching my things. So, Emos is looking through all these dossiers, and Bertha is just like buzzing around the basement. She's like, oh, that's where that is. And like, so June finds her own file and mm-hmm. looks at it. And I paused it just to see what kind of stuff I can get out of it. So, we learned some interesting things from this. Hannah was born in 2009. Uh, oh, shit. Hannah's born the year I graduated high school. What, what? Uh, Hannah's born the year I moved to California. Perfect. And Nicole, which is Holly slash Nicole, is born in 2017. So we're in 2018 here in the show. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah. 
I just, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she says explicitly, I, I think it's maybe later in this scene, that Gilead has been around for five years. Interesting to note, there's this doctor that keeps coming up that if we are ever in a hospital again and somebody talks about this person, they're mentioned a couple of times in a couple of these documents, but Dr. Horace. So just pay attention. Was that the doctor? I do not know. And by the doctor, I mean the one who played Donnie on Orphan Black, who was like, hey, I'll get you pregnant. Oh, I thought you meant the one from Ally McBeal from last episode. Oh, I never watched Ally McBeal. Me neither, but all the redheads are telling me that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, Dancing Baby, Portia de Rossi. That's literally the sum total. Some guy uh, was named Fish. Yeah. Uh, um, co-ed bathrooms. Yeah, co-ed bathrooms. Anyway, I, I couldn't tell you, but okay. just everybody keep an eye out for dr horace because he's mentioned in a bunch of these women's files horace i hardly know him yay <laughs> emos is like hey you know where they got medicines um canada and you could go and joey lawrence could go mm. and mrs lawrence is not so far gone that she can't be like um listen <laughs> Got a couple notes on your scheme. <laughs> the biggest one is Joey Lawrence is a war criminal. Yeah. So he can't cross the border <laughs> under any circumstances. And, you know, she basically also says he'd probably deserve to be executed. Yeah. And it's just like, it's- I can't imagine the horrificness of like knowing that your spouse did all of this. Yeah. That is bad enough and would put you into like very like situational depression. Yeah. And then on top of that, she is also suffering with bipolar and just like this brain chemical imbalance. It's heartbreaking. (gasps) It really gives us good insight into like the sort of pain and struggle of, of Eleanor. And then, I mean, to layer a third thing on top of it, you know, beyond, the fact that he has destroyed so many people's lives yeah. and killed so very many people yeah. in the course of his work. He's not even the man she fell in love with anymore. Oh. Like she can't even justify right. really like staying with him and staying in Gilead. Really? Apart from the fact like they clearly have a very like codependent thing going on where it's like he makes the world safe for her. This also makes sense why Beth is there because we knew she was part of the contraband underground at mm-hmm, Jezebel's. Mm-hmm. So Joey Lawrence was like, hey, uh, need that mm-hmm. for the Latuda. Cha-ching. Yeah. So, that's, you oh, know. Oh, man, that's a great connection. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. That's really I think neat. about Beth most of the time. Um, <laughs> that's uh, what I make mashed potato sculptures out of. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. And keep in mind, too, this is the first time of two times in the episode where uh, Mrs. Lawrence said, stuff about uh him deserving something mm-hmm. so let's mm-hmm. just tuck that away the, so the next scene takes place in <laughs> i think is that what she tells june that it's so much more exciting when she's there oh yeah i, lull, I laughed out loud because she's yeah. like i'm so glad you're back oh, <laughs> baby oh bertha i hope you make it out okay me too i'm worried <laughs> i mean nobody nobody we've wanted to make it okay has made it out uh rory oh, like nobody's made it out and is okay okay you know yeah, yeah, yeah. uh nobody uh gilead's within you speaking of we've gone so long without seeing canada i hope next oh my episode. god i feel personally attacked <laughs> it's just it's too much to be in gilead for a whole episode it's a lot it's a lot it's so- far too much the next scene takes place in the waterford's swanky new apartment i guess or maybe it's a hotel if they're in boston it's if, if it is they swung for like a real fancy suite because yeah. it's got a staircase well and- it's 
unclear if they made a decision that they were going to stay in. Right. Like, so we have no idea why they're there. All we know is that Serena yeah. was very conveniently in the hospital last week. Yeah, I actually think it's part of this uh, service where you can uh, rent houses in Gilead. You know what I'm talking about? It's called Praised B&B. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I feel so good about that. I feel so good about that. Wow. I'm glad they went with that one instead of Blessed B&B. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be a good one, too. But yeah, I think but Praised you know. B&B is slightly more. <laughs> it oh, tested boy. better in there. Oh, um, I love it. Very limited sample size. So this is a really interesting dynamic to watch because it's Fred and SJ and Maloney. Uh, having a drink by the fire. And I was really surprised she was there. So, so is Maloney. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to have all boys newspaper time. <laughs> and she's there. Um, yeah. So this is a great dynamic because SJ has always been politically interested in like mm-hmm. pre-Gilead, in Gilead. Like she's a player. Well, and-, and this perhaps is still tying back into the advice that June gave to Fred of like, give Serena a voice. Yeah. And her... Still very baffling advice to Serena of wear the dress. Um, yeah, we never saw that play out. Yeah, I'm like, so, I mean, because she's always wearing a dress. Yeah. She's never not wearing a dress. Right. <laughs> Serena kind of keeps asking pointed questions about how they're going to handle things. And Maloney really gets uncomfortable that she's talking at all and mm-hmm. hanging out with them. And it's really interesting to see the difference in how Maloney reacts to her and how Fred does. Because Fred is like notoriously like very like he wants her there he wants to talk mm-hmm. with her like that's part of his whole yeah and all the other did. commanders are like why do you like your girlfriend's home yeah much? totally why don't you just dump her uh because you know reeser who we yeah. find out i think a little bit later her name is olivia yeah she is not there no she is back in dc with the children yeah. presumably showing more uh <laughs> terrifying homes to prospective yes, buyers yes yes she's a de facto realtor <laughs> um so they're having this conversation about who might be traitorous and they kind of talk about they think j-law is probably the traitorous one He's had four handmates and he hasn't. Uh, none of them have produced. None of them have produced. Which is a horrifying. Yikes. Yeah. The other thing that I got out of this conversation, we find out Gilead is not a sovereign state. It's not yeah, recognized by all of the governments of the world. I don't know what like the international oh, okay. like landscape looks like. Like is the UN still around? Yeah. But just like other countries have not all voted to agree. Right. In the same way that Palestine is not recognized oh. as a sovereign state. Basically like and this goes back again to sort of what I was talking about as a criticism of like why is Canada even fucking with these people? The writers say nukes and I'm like yeah. okay but like you'd be able to leverage the fact that they are not a sovereign state Mm -hmm. more than i think we've seen some of the international players doing because that means that they still think that america is a sovereign state even though america is now Mm. the size of a postage stamp population treason and coconuts yeah truly what i mean we i forget what our map told us but very small very very small yeah so yeah like the combination of like they're not a sovereign state and as i've pointed out before they're still active fighting everywhere yeah i mean the rachel and leah center got blown up yeah. that's an act of war yeah it really raised more questions than an answer <laughs> but i will actually i'll give a lot of credit to this episode as well because they fleshed out a lot of world building things yeah in a good way yeah in a way that made me happy so yeah. thanks everybody i also want to give a shout out to nat 
Bronfman, the costume designer for Fred's cool plaid suit. I hate it so much. I just thought it was an interesting textural it thing. It was an interesting textural thing, and I hate a plaid suit. <laughs> it just, ugh, it just creeps me out. Well, I like it. You're serving Pete Campbell realness. Uh, uh, keep it up. No, Pete's a rapist. <laughs> oh yeah. Man, everybody in that show's so afraid. Yeah, I think that was kind of the point of Mad Men. <laughs> Boy, the 50s and 60s were really not fun for everyone, Everyone's Kelly. a little bit rapist oh, sometimes. Oh, okay. Speaking of, though, they kind of end this scene with talking about there are ways to ensure virility. And in probably my most uh, intelligent note I've ever written, I go, this sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote virility testing? Now? So I didn't get that they were talking about, like, witnessing the ceremony. I thought they were talking about, like, sperm counts. Ooh, I definitely because, felt like I knew what they meant. Well, because I was like, what the fuck? I was like, if sperm testing is on the table, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, it's no. it's still just basically the honor system. It's just needlessly awkward for everyone. Gross. So the next scene is in the basement, and June is going through everybody's files. She reveals it's been five years since the start of Gilead. So by her calculations, she's like, people's a lot of people's kids started as seven, and now they're 12. That's how math works. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Molly. So I really didn't clock Hannah is that old. I didn't either. But I also so, But don't, I think she's supposed to be like 10-ish. I don't understand like ages of people anymore. Yeah, me neither. You know, like basically below 30, I'm like, you're all infants. I don't understand. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I'll be 28 Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. I think that's how old I am. Oh, this is a sad part. So I tried to pause and like see if there was anything interesting and there really wasn't and they really highlight this when she does her her uh, voice, but oh no, Janine's son Caleb. They changed his name to Samuel Covington, and he got hit by a car. Yeah, and the voiceover is like, you know, Gilead can't stop car accidents. Oh, so sad. Oh my god, I was very, I was very upset. Me too. And I, oh man, I don't even want to talk about it, but I love how that plot line yeah. gets resolved. So she's like having this really interesting part where she's like really surfacing everybody's kids and thinking about it. Then. Uh, Beth comes in with a pillow. Yikes, it's a ceremony pillow. Yeah. Oh, no. And she's like, they want you in the sitting room. And June is like, uh, I was to understand that was not part of the job description at this joint. Uh, And I, like, I hate it, but it's also such an interesting choice. And again, this is, this is what this show does really well. Showing people having to, like, make decisions and be actors in this extremely hostile emotionally fraught space and really showing the consequences of that like that that's what this show is great at and so they're in the sitting room Mm -hmm. and beth and sienna are just kind of standing there and june's like okay you both stand over there and it's like no nobody in this house has ever done the fucking ceremony Uh, anyway so it's just it's so hard to watch june who, as we know, is not well. No. Have to make this okay for literally oh. everybody involved. So Every sad. single person, like she somehow now has to take charge and be the one doing the emotional labor for everybody. And doing the labor labor. Well, yeah, that too. Uh, which blessedly they did not show. So that's what I wrote too, is I was like, oh, 
we're gonna have to watch like another rape yeah so it only I, took them three seasons <laughs> to be like oh i think they get it you can <laughs> say rape don't show it which is like honestly i think this was handled gorgeously and, and I, honestly, I really like, liked this I, episode I wouldn't fault them for including this ceremony. I would, and I don't really want to do this, but it's like if I went back and looked at every ceremony they showed. Oh, you really don't. That's the no, opposite, yeah, of, that's the opposite the of the hot scene for Outlander. But it's like, I think it was important to show it. I agree. A couple of times. I totally agree. But definitely just like, we didn't need. Well, especially when you think of them adding the scene of, you know, raping June last season. Exactly. Well, and the scene they finally cut of Fred raping Serena. Oh, God. Anyway. Just it, yeah, it, was, it used to be so much more gratuitous than this. So yeah. of course I was worried that this was going to happen. Yeah, or we were going to see it in a way. But I really like how they handled it. So let's get talking about it. So uh, the Waterfords are there. They're going to watch. Ew, this is interesting. This is throwback to the book. So Eleanor comes in, and it's all the women in the room together, and Whitford knocks. Yes, and that was always Fred's calling card too. Is that he would knock and come in, and in the book they describe Fred coming in the room for the ceremony and almost being like surprised, yeah, that people were there, and that's like his whole chivalrous thing. What's so funny is that book Fred and Serena Joy look nothing like what they are on the show to me. No, but I don't mind at all. No, I don't mind. Either. I think they're perfectly cast, and it just man. It has been a while. Well, and I think that's part of that was part of the ceremony in the book that I don't think we really got into in the show is that the man had to knock on the door. The sitting room was the yeah. wife's uh-huh. domain. Totally. And so it was it was written into the ritual. Yes. Well, not written. Uh, it was handed down through oral yeah. tradition. Man, I am. You know what? It's been long enough. I am just now getting itchy to read the book again because <laughs> I like that part. And it, I, it, it, because of this podcast, I read it several times in quick succession and I went to read it again and I was kind of like, meh, yeah. for Gal's Guide to Gilead, but I'm ready to get back in the saddle. <laughs> So Joey Lawrence is really stumbling his way through the ceremony. Oh, so awkward. And I mean, I guess hopefully he was involved in writing it. So he like remembers well, like what to do. But it's like the Bible, it's the Bible. But he goes up. <laughs> we have to know what part of the Bible. Okay. Oh, okay. my God. So he goes up to the mantle and he sees that something has been moved. And oh, he just no. says to Sienna, don't move my stuff. Well, it's so performative, too, because I don't think that she did. Oh, I think- it was the Bible itself. Okay, I, I get it. He was covering for the fact that he had no clue yeah, I th- where honest, it was. I think that what probably happened is like he gave Sienna or Beth like a ring of keys and was like, Meh, these are the keys to the house. Uh, do whatever you want. And he has to make this show that he didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I read that. So you have to open up the Bible, do the reading, and... <laughs> so ignorant Uh, they were talking the waterfords are kind of talking to him leading up to the um leading up to reading the bible and they're like really implying that he maybe doesn't know how to do sex because they're they're talking to him and they're like so um things are going well yeah he's like yeah they're like you know every part of it and he's really trying to tap dance being like yeah totally awesome top-notch yeah. tickety-boo <laughs> the note i wrote is someone goes oh and and Aunt lydia's there too and she says like there's lots of times when like if just one thing goes wrong it, it, it all it ruins uh-huh. everything <laughs> so i imagined her going like for example are you seeing on the t's because <laughs> that's not how babies are made you got to see somewhere different uh, you can't see on the T's and get a baby. Thank you, Aunt Lydia. We got it. I just want them to know you can't see on the T's. I know I'm a lot older than you. Are people running around saying see on the T's? 
I think it's a joke I stole from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where they're they're telling uh, Jason uh, Siegel's Siegel. character, they're like, you need to get out there and you need to like pound some V. And he's like, I don't want to pound any V. I just want to see on some T's really quick. Oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> you the real one, that movie from years okay. and years ago. Because like when you said that, I was like, I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is? Well, now I mean, it's now coming on the yeah, tits, after kids. you said it a bunch of time, I was like, oh, that thing I like. OK. <laughs> cool 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 cool. oh god (laughs) when they finally get the bible reading going we kind of get this interesting dual meaning of give me children or i die which Mm -hmm. is as we remember the bible verse they have to read it's from the you know the rachel and leah Mm -hmm. story in the bible so in the story it's the wife saying that to the husband Mm -hmm. and that's the means by which they do the handmaids to begin with in this one we could read it as sort of Joey Lawrence does need to at least pretend to mm-hmm. look like he wants to have kids. Otherwise, yeah, they all do. So it's really interesting. It's like, give them children or they all die. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting sort of dual dual uh, meaning of that. Then uh, Aunt Lydia is leading June up to the bedroom and she said, don't worry, there'll be a quick examination with Dr. Michaels. Yikes. So this is not Dr. Horace. Not Dr. Horace. Still paging anybody's him. keeping track. So, uh, yes. So to go into the room. Oh, man, this scene is so good. It's so good because they're in there and like it's it's Joey Lawrence and it's Bertha Rochester who has a shawl that I want very much. Wow, okay. Um, That was what I got from this scene. And then June's in there and Joey Lawrence is like, we're just we're just going to sit here quietly for 20 minutes. We can play cards. <laughs> He's like, I think I got a deck of cards. Canasta. And it's just like that part in, in middle school when you accidentally go to in seven minutes in heaven with somebody you don't like and you're like, fuck, we got to pretend that something happened. LOL, that never happened to me. But yeah, I never got invited to those parties. And I would have kissed the shit out of someone. But I, I also never got invited. I would have kissed the shit out of everyone. I was very desperate. Me too. And I just, <laughs> nobody ever gave me a chance. I could have done so much damage. Ugh. I, I was a little bit tickled. Like, how are they going to pretend they had sex? Like, well, and June luckily I got know. tipped. Yeah, because otherwise Although I don't like. I don't know. I I feel like it would have been smarter on Winslow and Waterford's parts to like have the doctor wait outside. Yeah, well, like and very... particularly on Waterford's part because Waterford totally. has a fucking boner. Ew. To see Joey Lawrence go down. Totally. He I, I is was so he is so certain yeah. that he is gonna take this dude down. I agree with you. I was really surprised it wasn't like a Marie Antoinette situation mm-hmm. where everybody was like literally sitting outside. I thought they were gonna be in the room. Yeah, me too. Initially. That's what I thought. Because well. and Joey Lawrence makes some joke about it. He's like, Oh, maybe you all get in the bed with us. That'd be Joe fun. Was, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> uh, Fred was like, Yeah, okay. And Denise was like, All right. <laughs> Did he get out of here? Go home. Put me in, coach. I'll do it. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Boy. And poor oh, Eleanor's God. freaking oh, out. God. God. And God. she's saying, we don't have to do it. We'll be the ones in trouble. It's oh, our God. sin. And oh. I think it's Joey Lawrence who says it, but that, like, basically any handmaid or Martha's who aren't reporting on any irregularities yeah. with the ceremony are all going to get executed. Yeah. Um. Oh. So, wow. You know, <laughs> The weight of this entire household and 
they said that they've had four handmaids, one of which was Emily. Mm-hmm. There's two other handmaids out there, potentially, yeah. unless they've also already been killed. But it's oh, like, geez. so they could also be killed. Yeah. Um, scary and bad. Yeah. So basically, it's so any, good. There's such clearly defined stakes. It's, in no. This scene. Oh, my God. That is the thing about this episode. We finally uh, yeah. knew what the stakes were totally. and what would happen. And we haven't really had that since the first season when they I- decided to just like blow off <laughs> the lid on consequences yeah, and be like, hey, whatever. It's cool. I think that's totally why I was on board with last episode and why I'm on board with this one is they finally picked, you know, I'm going to use sketch parlance because I don't quite know how to say it normally, but they, they found the game. Mm-hmm. Like they found the thing that we're striving for. I feel like the beginning of this season was like a really nebulous, like, Oh, save, save Hannah. It's like, that's kind of been the thing. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it has enough backbone to, well, it doesn't, it has a really like tenuous background of like, save Hannah, keep Nicole in in Canada. And it was really wiggly. Yeah. And now it feels like rigidly defined game, rigidly defined stakes. Like, let's go. I'm excited. You know who's not excited? No. Uh, literally everybody involved. Nobody involved. So Um, basically, June is like, yeah, um, also, uh, there's a doctor here, so we have to do this. We can't you not can't do see this. On the <laughs> you cannot. I mean, unless you want to go twice, Joey. But honestly, yeah. I feel like you don't have it in you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and oh, God. so Eleanor runs into the other room. No, no, no. This is where Whitford will earn his Emmy, I think, because he- Eleanor's like she's about to have a big break. Yeah, and so he really calmly is like, "I'm so sorry. We got to do this." Like mm-hmm. his voice breaks. It's gorgeous, and he. Basically puts her in a closet. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, it's an ante room. I'm sure it's like, I, they, I genuinely they, don't even. I think know. they had this room at the Waterfords. I don't know what it is. I feel like that was the room where Serena tried to blow Fred that time. Poop. Oh yeah, the blowing closet. Yeah, you got an airing closet. closet. We got a blowing <laughs> closet. Um, yeah, and he tucks her in there, and he like pulls a curtain, closes the door. And it's time to do it. And, and it was so, it's such an interesting status flip you were talking before of like, June is in charge. Yeah. And June has to be the person that's rallying behind this. Yeah. And oh, from what God. we've seen from the previous nine episodes of this season, June should not be in charge of anything. No. <laughs> but she does do a great job of very like, yeah, you know, she sets a very small scale game here. She's like, all right. She's like, it's a transaction. I'm not me. You're yes. not you. It helps to close your eyes. Which is what she was telling herself in the previous ceremonies to just disassociate. Oh, God, it's so sad. You know, they, again, God bless you all for not making us watch this horrible thing because I did not feel like watching television legend Bradley Whitford desperately try to get a Woody. Like, I really (laughs) was just not into that. So this is so interesting. This is where Witness comes in. I was going to say, oh, because you were really interested in that? What? (laughs) Weirdly, I Googled that after I Googled all those Outlander scenes. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I I think this whole dynamic is so interesting, especially when we think of the episode title is Witness. Mm -hmm. And so this is really the first time Whitford has had to see up close the monstrosity of this system that mm-hmm. he helped make. Yeah. He's always been able to keep distance and keep at arm's length and barricade himself behind books and Basquiat and all these things saying he was better than this. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He's because not better Gilead than this. Gilead gets you. Gilead fucking is within you. And so it's so interesting that in the scene where he is having to wrestle with it, 
she tells him to close his eyes. Mm-hmm. But it can't. You can only you can only not witness so much. Oh, yeah. I love this well, episode. The balls have eyes. So. Balls have eyes. The balls. I've always said the balls are the eyes of the penis. <laughs> <laughs> I've been well quoted and well documented in saying the balls are the eyes of the penis. No, name this episode. The balls are the eyes. So and she says earlier on before we get to this point that, you know, this was more common in the early days of Gilead where there were households that were resistant oh, to yeah. doing this ceremony. Yikes, yeah. And so, you know, your Bible study group would come over and peer pressure you into raping people. You know how it is. Yeah, you know. You know that old Bible Yikes. study trick. Oh, my and, Lord. Um, I mean, honestly, and that's really like my only real complaint about this episode is I really wish they'd been in the room. But then Meh. we would have been robbed of this yeah, yeah, yeah. scene and this dynamic, so I can't be mad. Because it's so good. And like, oh, oh my gosh, it's just like... It's so hard to deal with this. You know what I thought of, too, is The Graduate, where Mm. um, once the affair between Benjamin and Mrs. Robinson has been discovered, and he's talking to Mr. Robinson, he's like, it's just that, it's like a handshake. And it's just like, oh, God, it's like the worst version of that. Yikes, yeah. Um, (laughs) No, because it's like, even if you're having casual sex with a person, or, you know, even if there's sex work, like there's there's some choice sure. and consent involved. Sure. I, uh, we don't have time for this. Anyway, assuming everybody involved is a consenting adult and like the terms of the exchange are agreed on, like it's not ne- it's not only a transaction. Like there, sex is not only a transaction. You're saying, yeah, like that's more like the casual sex thing. But it's just like if you're a sex worker, you have the option of enjoying your work. You know, I got you. And here it's just like everything, everything positive about sex Any like even the most bare, like psychic income you could get from sex has been stripped away. Like, honestly, I think it's stunning that anybody manages to see anywhere in Gilead because it's so unsexy. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Mm, that on multiple. It's not even about that for her. It's not. She doesn't. It doesn't matter. She just likes it. (laughs) She likes it top to bottom. (laughs) We've seen that, you know, with Fred, who likes he likes the power dynamics. Yeah. But he doesn't feel like this is sufficient. No. You know, that's why he does the creepy. Like, he's going to touch her thigh while they're having sex. Ah. Yikes. All right. Let's move on. Somebody was saying on Facebook today, like, oh, I'm going to like go back and binge watch it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Do the opposite of that. There's no need for that. (laughs) So they're in the I wrote the lobby, but it's their living room. Uh, And it's so funny because this is truly the first iPad I've seen in Gilead. Maloney is playing Candy Crush, basically. (laughs) Uh, And SJ and Fred are just kind of worried. And they're kind of craning to hear i guess um and then sort of it's done because whitford walks out and uh then sj goes notably the bedroom. absent his cravat is he really that's hilarious <laughs> that's so funny listen you, bitch, you can only hide you so put much. me yeah you put me on high cravat alert <laughs> cravat watch yeah. 2019 <laughs> Not to be mistaken with crotch watch. Nope. <laughs> that's uh, what's happening right now. <laughs> when the doctor goes up, that's, oh, that's crotch yeah, watch yeah, 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go to the bedroom and Serena is comforting Bertha. And this exchange is so heartbreaking mm-hmm. too. Oh my God, it's so good. Because she just says, oh, Serena, 
I'm so sorry we haven't had you for dinner. Oh, and God. that's, but that's always her go to. Yeah. When she's conf- like, that's how her oh. social anxiety manifests because she oh. did this with um, Naomi Putnam as well. <laughs> yeah. Where she was like, I'm so sorry we haven't had you to the house. I'm glad like, your baby's dinner. not dead. <laughs> that was amazing. Very funny. Well, I guess, I guess she could have led with that here. Yeah, she could have led with that too. The thing that I wondered here is whether or not Serena thought that her devastation as a result of the ceremony was unique and is this the first time (gasps) that she's seeing another wife and recognizing oh my god that's lovely it's not just me because i can't imagine this is something the wives like if the wives Mm -hmm. have been doing this for five years and they just got to hey could we read the bible sometimes yeah like they're not being like hey this is fucked up to each other that's a really smart point and like even though even though the circumstances are slightly different, the fundamental thing where you have to watch the man you love plow some stranger who doesn't want to be there. God, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yikes. That's a beautiful point. And I do love that part in the book where they talk about Serena Joy cries. Yep. After the ceremony. No, because I was initially, I was more concerned with like Whitford because like, I'm like, because like Whitford comes down and like very gets a drink in a way that's like, Oh, like, Dude, you look like a rookie. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, I would have preferred that to him, like, coming down and be like, whoa, yeah, such good intercourse. <laughs> Am I right, my bros? <laughs> you just gotta, poof, get, yeah, Whoops. get wet. <laughs> Sorry to say it in front of a lady. What's she doing here anyway? <laughs> we have a lot of questions. <laughs> so the next scene I just wrote, Dr. Ew. Yeah, uh, basically. Also, but I like he spends such a short time in there. It was literally just to check for the issue. Yeah, I mean, like you know, it's probably. I mean, I'm once again. Yep, there's sperm in there. I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, it's probably pretty obvious. So there's also like we judging don't... from the amount that I have seen when people have seen on the tees. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it makes its presence felt up there. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> it it definitely does. Get excited, everybody. This is a podcast by people who have had sex. I have had sex at one point. Uh, <laughs> then I just watched a bunch of Outlander clips and went to bed. Um, Whitford is... Oh, God, this is disgusting. So, Alfred kind of having sufficiently been sexed up goes downstairs and Fred is like, what? How did... My girlfriend had sex with another man. What? And then, oh, baby, Alfred comes out. And for for a split second, I was like, is she going to try to play him? No, I thought that too. But I was so excited when she didn't. Because he says something like, how did it go? Or like, I hope it went well or something Something like that. Something gross. And she says, at least it wasn't you. That is what I said alone Hold on. while I was watching your mic it. to say, oh, and then bring it closer to say fuck. Yeah, man. It's not about the cursing, Molly. It's about, look, it's about the audio levels. Listen, okay. I was hooting and hollering. I also thought that was good. When that happened. I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. Yeah, I love that. I think that was really good. Stick it to the man. The next scene is Whitford in the kitchen having a sad scotch. Whitford's in the kitchen with sadness. Sad uh this is where i clocked he had no ascot on yeah really good eye what did i oh i love this scene 
he so everybody's left they're in the kitchen alone he's having a sad scotch and he slips her birth control oh he calls it a collector's item oh now as we all know you should be on birth control for two weeks before having unprotected sex in order for it to be effective wow this is great (laughs) uh also like is it expired birth control yeah lots of questions uh, lots of I questions i mean and, and not only that i mean not every birth control is one size fits all yeah, i realize totally. we're in a dystopia you're gonna take the birth control you can get like, um actually this one gives me acne yeah and if, if, if i've got to be in gilead i still want to have acne can you have me like yes like the lotus Do you have yes could you get some yes oh, i miss that yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this also gave really reminded me of uh, Road to Nowhere series of like I was just going to bring it up. Control. Yeah, that's shout the- out once again to our friend Meg Ellison, oh. her amazing queer, sexy AF dystopia that is also horrifying, very horrifying. But there's some real <laughs> sexy sex. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Especially in that last book. Well, and, and also, well, I mean, you know, who knows? But I'm like, are they going to do this again next month? Oh, like, you geez. better lay in a supply, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Too bad they didn't have any like Plan B because that's only two pills. Uh, yeah. So, but they say the price, the punishment for getting caught with birth control is getting torn apart by dogs. <laughs> so, hey, kids, remember last week when you were asking us where are the pets in Gilead? There they are. <laughs> Netting out punishment for yeah. taking the BC. Uh-huh. You know, the great thing about C on the T is that you don't need the BC. Yeah, if you see on the T, you really don't need any BCs. <laughs> if it wasn't a thing before, you it's a thing now. You really won me over with that. I was very anti this, and now, like, I'm going to be saying this to, like, partners, and they're going to be like, what nobody what are you talking about it's okay if you see on the teeth it's so funny then this is kind of whitford he's resigned at the end of the scene and he goes i'll get you a truck yeah oh and i'm curious i look once god it took 10 episodes and i I finally care i know that's what i texted kelly is i was like man this was a good episode and i couldn't even bask in that long before i texted again it shouldn't take ten episodes it to take get a banger. Ten episodes, because <laughs> and, and I liked. I still would put episode three as my favorite. This one is my second favorite, like by a hair. But yeah. I was like at the point of episode three, I was like, yes, we should be table setting yeah. and like finding this crap out. Yeah. I will say, I think this is my favorite this this season. My second favorite is the problematic fave of the dc one Mm -hmm. and i really liked the last episode too so they're they're winning me that's cool because you know what molly conflict soul drama exactly the next so the next scene is in the store again and they go back to the sobe plotting fridge where once again there is no guard everybody like what are you what are you talking about so this is sweet. The Get way- Denise to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I love telling on people. <laughs> All right. Okay. You're like scaring people. <laughs> Even Aunt Lydia's like, that Denise is a little much. <laughs> you like it too much, you dear. You like it a little t- <laughs> Very good and down. I've been watching this show I'm pumped. <laughs> so the way that she wins Alma over is she talks about her son Dylan. And this is messed up because she I think she says Dylan is five. He was freaking one mm-hmm. or younger when mm-hmm. she, they, he was kidnapped. That's so sad. Um, I don't know. How, Gilead's for everyone, Molly. Even I, infants. I sort of think Gilead is not a great place. And look, uh, <laughs> gosh, you know, Molly, I don't think it should take you. No. Two seasons and ten episodes to draw that conclusion. 
So that was really sad, and and she really gets her on her side by talking about Dylan and how he's blonde now, and how his dad was blonde. We find out from Alma, and ah, once again, an amazing performance for an actress whose name we do not know. Mm -hmm. Alma is just stunning in this because we've never seen Alma get emotional. Yeah, like we've seen Alma only as this very like. She's like a very steady, sturdy, keep mm-hmm. my head down and get through Gilead person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she has a baby yeah. and he's just out there. Oh, so tragic. They also say, I think it's Dylan who's in the Torrance house. Shining ref much. Probs. Uh, especially when you compound that with the Clockwork Orange music mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Somebody... Somebody's some a, that. somebody's a Kubrickian fan. <laughs> so then they go, uh, I do not like the framing of this scene, but I like the content of it. So they go and look in the fish tank <laughs> at the market, which, okay, cool. Because <laughs> Janine has overheard all of this and yeah. like she she wants to help June with her plan because of course she does. And Janine asks <sighs> if June found out anything about her son. And this is where I yelled at my screen, don't tell her, June. Yeah. And she doesn't, thank God. So, she bas- so she's not a monster. She basically says the kid equivalent of went to live in a farm upstate. Yeah. She said that they moved to California and Janine says, God, and I cried. Oh, it makes because me cry too. He lives on the beach. And June's like, yeah, he lives on the beach. And it's just those small mercies Ugh. that these women can give each other. And again, this is what the show does so well. Mm-hmm. The show does this so well. More like this. More of this. Then the final, uh, the second to final scene, the yeah. penultimate scene, is in Fred's office in his new Frank Lloyd Wright apartment. <laughs> um, he's by himself, and Serena comes in and is like, "Dude, what happened to that plot point where we were trying to get Nicole from Canada?" And- yeah, and also, when is Gilead going to outlaw the Peter Pan collar? <sighs> I hate them. Uh-huh. I hate them so much. Uh-huh. They're infantilizing. Okay. <laughs> and and he's like, oh, I don't know. And then she goes, you don't know? I know. Mm-hmm. And she goes, bam! And she plops down the Nokia that... Which is actually a satellite phone. We know. Okay, it's we a satellite know. phone. <laughs> no, that and I was like, don't tell Fred about treason and coconuts. I know. Fred sucks. Oh, I know. Like, if you want to talk to treason and coconuts, like, that phone is for you. Yeah. That phone is not for Fred. She's going to get killed. Like, uh, I, so she is saying that the way that they can get Nicole back is via treason and coconuts. And they're like, why would he do that? He's going to, and she's like, he's going to need a, uh, you're, you're going to have to trade him something yeah. big, which I bet you a million dollars means Whitford. I would bet that as well. But I also like, I don't understand what, what is the game there? Yeah, I don't get like, that either. Again, they have like a patch of dirt with like a, you know, shitty American flag stuck in it at this point. Well, and also, and like, you know, what, what, like, what power does America have? And like, what difference would it make? I mean, they have commanders casually staying at hotels mm-hmm. and drinking at hotel bars and going to clubs in Canada. So, I mean, I know that was before all this. Nicole Michigas went down, but it seems like I, I just don't get what that would mean. I know it's probably he has like secrets about Gilead, but still, 
then that would really not serve Fred to serve yeah, that guy so up. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious. I really don't know. You know, I was thinking about the Emmys because Whitford is nominated as a guest and mm. Cherry Jones is nominated as a guest wow. for The Handmaid's Tale. But it's for the previous season, oh, right. not this season. True. But I wonder, I mean, I, I have no idea, you know, because it's like, yeah, it's for the previous season. Right. But if people are watching this show, like, how much is this episode going to, like, tip the scales on anybody's yeah, favor really interesting yeah anyway I, I i like i said i think whitford did an excellent job this oh episode. yeah so they have that exchange the next scene is the last scene is so good i cried oh man so hard it was because i knew that i was watching it ahead of you and it was all i could do to oh. not just like text you all my reactions because i wanted you to oh, be okay. like i didn't like because it's such a good episode i didn't want to say anything yeah that would bias you one way or the other i appreciate it because yeah, yeah, yeah. i loved it so that oh god it's june such a good scene. june walks into the kitchen and it is just fucking baskets <laughs> and baskets of muffins <laughs> and beth is standing in there just looking shell-shocked and i'm like you know is the handmaid's tale i'm like what horrible shit is happening now but beth says muffins mean yes and it's like this great like <laughs> you know pete and repeat where june's just like muffins mean yes muffins mean yes and Beth says i put out the word about you wanting to get the kids out to the marthas oh and it is i mean there you can't you can't light a shea panisse fire because no. there's muffins uh, everywhere uh, anywhere there's a surface there's just muffins it's so sweet i and wonder so, if we look back in the previous seasons if there have been times when there's been this kind of semaphore going on where like there's been scones in the when there's a Mm -hmm. a loss or muffins when there's when i i would hope that there was Mm -hmm. but i also uh, would not be surprised if this was something made up for this (laughs) i guess time will tell look it doesn't matter because (laughs) i rarely say this it doesn't matter because the emotional payoff is so huge wow and yeah, June June gets in a joke that I didn't hate. Woo! Me neither. Where she's like, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love. So I love funny. it. Oh, so it's funny. very like cinema of the 70s then. Ooh, like that's not Kubrick, yes. but it's like of the same era. Good point. Well, that's um, only era Bruce knows. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point. <gasps> yeah, that's really great. Yeah. And so the music cue kicks in that Molly All has right. been hyping her research. Hold on week. to your hats babes here we go so the song is gloria in excelsis deo made popular by that christmas song the in excelsis deo not really it's just like similar thing so this is a vivaldi song now oh not the patty smith one no 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 (laughs) so here's the thing this was like uh one of the first kind of choral symphony things going together according to my meager research and so what vivaldi did was he wanted the chorus to be like beautiful and youthful singers so ageist yeah (laughs) (laughs) so he hit up this orphanage in italy oh my god wait it gets better oh my god layers and layers so he hits up this orphanage in italy i didn't write down what they were and this orphanage is filled with young girls it's all young girls. So that would be one thing. So already we're seeing the connections of these yeah. children are singing this song on the backs of the children's come this song. Guess what else? I couldn't. The girls in this orphanage, kind of the rumor about why people end up in this orphanage is 
they are all the illegitimate children of noble people. Oh my god! So they're duh. these like secret stolen Holy children. Shit! Guess what else? Bitch, there's more. There's fucking more. So already we've got all these kids that aren't these people's kids that are here singing the song at the end of thing. When they debut this song, they do it in an opera house. Now, back in the day, opera houses were like kind of places of like sleazy things. So uh, they were like, fuck, we want to bring all these babies into the opera house to sing this beautiful song, but we don't want them to see any of the grossness of this opera house. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to take all these girls, all these illegitimate stolen girls, we're going to put them up in the rafters of the opera house behind a screen, and we're going to protect them from the dirtiness while they sing. If that ain't an effective music cue, I don't know what motherfucking is. Are you impressed? I cannot even Ugh. believe that. Mm. I mean, I believe mm. it. I believe. I am raging with cancer birthday energy. <laughs> she really is. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that neat? Oh, my God. Oh, so That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And I, I checked two sources. <laughs> uh, it seems to check out. Um, but what a really cool, purposeful choice. Because this episode is so much about, like, the, the, the children of Gilead mm-hmm. and what that means and who they're taken from and who they are and their legitimacy, illegitimacy. But you know what else? It's oh, about. my God. Even yet still more fucking witness mm-hmm. all of these kids. I mean, if we're going back to the opera house, they are within this scary, corrupt system, but they can't see it. Mm hmm. If that ain't Gilead and who is witnessing and who is not, I don't know what is. I'm also going to see you and raise you if they get them out. Yeah. And Gilead is called to account. Yeah. Who are they going to call as witnesses? I mean, a lot of people, but it's like, oh, my God, the whole fucking prosecution team is like just put... You know, it would be like the um, the Larry Nasser trial, the guy who uh, molested all those gymnasts. Oh, no. And I watched a documentary about it on HBO, but it's like, God, it was like hun- like over a hundred women wow. who he had like violated Yikes. and digitally raped oh. for years and years and years and years. And like people at the National Olympics organizations like knew about it. Um, U.S. Gymnastics Association knew oh, about it. So the footage of just woman after woman after girl after oh, girl after oh, girl, oh. and it's horrible and devastating to watch. But like, that's what, like when you're prosecuting that kind of case. That's all. You, like here, look what, what he fucking did. Yeah, jeez, Louise. So, yeah, yeah. Gilead's reckoning is coming. The children are in the next episode. How much you want to bet they're going to use some corny ass like schools out for <laughs> summer. I don't even care because this I, Vivaldi you know one was it, so good. I hope it's we are, we are <laughs> youth of the nation. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm saying well, you that you don't fuck with P.O.D. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, you, I don't think you know what I'm talking about. I don't No, You're, It's OK to be young. <laughs> All right. P.O.D. See on some teas. <laughs> All right. Great episode. I'm excited. Really I'm genuinely excited to see what happens. Next. I am also really, really excited. We got three more episodes. Three to more. Go. That's it, y'all. Yeah. That's all she wrote. Well, it's not because she wrote only one book and they stretched it over well, yeah, three seasons. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we still don't have confirmation of a season four. 
Yeah, like, at press time, really... what is this, July 18th? We don't have confirmation. Yeah, so they're really pushing it down to the wire. I so... thought for sure an Emmy, the Emmy nominations would be catalyst for them to announce, but... <sighs> I mean, they've taken a real drubbing critically for they this sure season. They sure have. Not Yikes. just on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> legitimate outlets as well have not cared for it. You know, and it's got to be expensive as fuck. Oh, yeah. Like, even with reusing the, the <laughs> store over and over and they're over like, again. God, we've put as many scenes in that store, and we just, God, we just can't get into the black we cannot wow okay well it's gonna be really interesting to see where we go i'm genuinely so excited i hope we get them in a block because i know i'm probably gonna want to watch them right after the other yeah so we'll see what happens all right thanks for listening take care of yourselves take care of your girlfriends and nolite teba stardes carborundorum dum 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 Dum, da-dum. Da-dum. Nobody knows any more of that song. Nope. <laughs>